Hi, everyone. Welcome to the seventh episode of the group therapy. I am Mary. On this episode, I won't be the only host. Our co-host is going to be Tatiana Bernard, who was with us on the fifth episode. As you all might remember, we had an interview with her. Welcome to our podcast again. How lovely to be able to have you here with us again. How are you? Hi, Iram. Thank you for having me again. It's lovely to be here. How are you? I'm fine too. Thank you so much for asking. And today's guest is going to be specialist dietitian Begüm Beste Ilgün. Welcome to our podcast. How are you doing? Thank you for having me. I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Thank you so much for asking. I can't help myself but say that as a person with an eating disorder, I've been following accounts and pages that inspire me and having one of the most inspiring ones. So having you here on our podcast is extremely exciting. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for the kindest words that really opened up my day. Um, Social media can have a really great toll on many people, but when it comes to eating disorders, the content must be really delicate. And I really work hard to give you the help that you need. And I'm so happy that you love the content and I'm so happy to be here because what you're doing here is really amazing. And when you're doing this in English as well, it really shows that our struggles has no border and it's really valuable to show this effort. And thank you so much for doing so. Um, as you all know, our main topic is eating disorders, but today we will also be talking about in-issue eating. Without further ado, I want to start with the first and most asked question. What is intuitive eating and what are the principles of it? Intuitive eating is a mind and body self-care eating work uh, framework that has been founded by Elise Resch and Evelyn Triboli in the year 1995. And it was a research-based foundation, and now it has over 125 studies on it. And it's really about raising interceptive awareness, which is um, a dynamic interplay between instinct, emotion, and thought. So the main focus on intuitive eating is to tune into our internal signals and to the wisdom that we were born with. The thing here is that our bodies are really clever and they know what they're doing and they have been sending us signals all over. But we've been continuously ignoring that due to the contributions of diet culture. What intuitive eating is saying is that we need to learn to trust our bodies and we need to tune into our inner wisdom. And actually we don't need to fight over anything. It's just a basic simple framework that gets the mind and body and soul together to act so. It has 10 principles and they serve us as guidelines. And I'm going to talk to you about these 10 principles really briefly. First is to reject diet mentality. It's just not, this is the first principle. This is what we're talking about and done. We need to talk about these over and over again because healing is not just Uh, healing is such a journey that you need to talk about these things over the time. So when I say reject the diet mentality, maybe it's going to be easy for some, but maybe it's going to be hard for many because in everything we do, there is the sign of diet mentality. So it's not just the first principle, but it's going to be a continuous topic. Second is to honor your hunger. 
it is such a magical phrase to say honor your hunger it shows that what we've told to ignore is something that we need to be honoring third is to make peace with food fourth is to challenge the food police it is really hard because we have internal food police voices and we have external facts of food police it is a hard one as well Fifth is to discover the satisfaction factor. Sixth is to feel your fullness. It is hard to honor your hunger. And it is kind of harder to feel your fullness because when you don't know what is hunger, you cannot feel what is fullness because fullness is more subtle than the Hogner signals. Hunger usually comes with great power. It just has a great toll on your body. You lose your concentration you get irritated, you have pain in your stomach and etc. And even when you choose to ignore this thing, obviously it is harder to notice your fullness. Seven is to cope with your emotions with kindness. Eight is to respect your body. Nine is to intuitively move. And 10 is to honor your health with gentle nutrition. So it really is a cute little thing when I say, um, when I talk about intuitive eating with my clients, I don't go by saying, you know, we're going to talk about first principle this week. No, when you're eating something and when we're talking about eating disorders, we obviously have these principles as our guides. Of course, you cannot start um, an eating disorder treatment with intuitive eating framework first. The initial goal is to eat intuitively. But first, we need to start respecting our body we need to know this notion so when in order to respect your body you need to learn to eat you need to make peace with food you need to uh, be careful about the things uh, your mind is telling you to do but your body is rejecting mm -hmm. these are the little things and each time intuitive eating is helping us to learn these things yeah thank you so much for sharing this with us because not knowing about the principles uh anytime a person hears in what is intuitive eating they just go saying i'm just listening to my body but how do you do that without knowing the principles it's a little bit hard so thank you so much for sharing and since um, we learned about intuitive eating we can now ask about the connection between eating disorders and intuitive eating what kind of a role intuitive eating has in eating disorders i'm asking this question to both of you um, I think that they're very much connected, like intuitive eating and eating disorders go hand in hand. And I think intuitive eating is a part of recovery that is very, very important uh, because it teaches us a guideline uh, as to how we can eat for the rest of our life. So it's not something that's temporary. It's like Begum said, it's tapping into our own wisdom as to uh, when we can eat and how we can eat. So that's why I think it's very important to learn this towards the end of treatment. But I say towards the end of treatment because at the first stages of treatment, it would be almost impossible to look at someone going through an eating disorder and say to them, uh, honor your hunger cues or um, reject the diet mentality, uh, you know, because it's, it would sound like the scariest thing in the world. And I'm sure that you can relate while I'm saying this. 
like how do you honor your hunger cues when the thing that you're most scared of in your life maybe is eating or gaining weight at that point so it can sound like um i don't know it can sound very very utopic like it, it might not make sense for you so that's why i think uh, first of all it's very important to acknowledge that fear of weight gain and to be able to work through it together in therapy and once um the the body image anxiety is lower the anxiety about gaining weight about eating certain foods is lower then uh intuitive eating can come in and build a framework for treatment and i'd like to add something to tatiana's amazing response it is not just utopic but it's also scary for someone who holds eating disorder so close to their heart and it's almost their safe zone and when you say that okay you're now going to honor your hunger and eat on time and etc it is really scary because most of the times they even reject the concept of eating and now we're telling them to say oh you know what you really need to eat and actually your body is telling you to eat when you say someone with eating disorders that that their body actually needs food for them it can be a little sign of weakness because in the notion that you know what i'm not going to eat anything i'm going to have this body and etc but it feels like your body is working against your wishes so that's really a strong sensation for them and yeah it's almost impossible for them to um just like say yeah you know what i'm going to eat intuitively thanks how didn't i know this earlier and etc that's really <laughs> utopic and scary but obviously throughout the process of healing we have our trans principles as our guidelines as our pocket we maybe don't talk about honoring your hunger straight away but we talk about coping your emotions with kindness and we talk about body respect and we talk about maybe other factors as feeling your fullness because obviously you lose your signals over time during the course of eating disorders but when you try to tap into this inner wisdom that we're talking about you're going to connect with your signals over time but in order to do so you need to accept the fact that you need food and you're going to eat it regularly so the first step of our recovery obviously is to give someone the food they need the nourishment they need so that their body can function properly and obviously as tatiana mentioned when we talk about eating disorder treatment we talk about a multidisciplinary teamwork that involves a psychologist a psychiatrist and a dietitian and a team of doctors so when we say uh we start a treatment with it obviously it's maybe usually starts with a resistance from the patient so the first phase is kind of the harder for the patient to accept that they need help and they're going to need to eat regularly and maybe drink things and etc so it's not the ideal part to be talking about eating intuitively but obviously as i said the guides are always with us and i think it's it's also super helpful the way that they phrase everything so rejecting the diet mentality honoring your hunger um it basically rephrases everything like in someone that has an eating disorder in their mind like i said before maybe eating is the scariest thing and it, they feel like the way that you said maybe they feel like it's a betrayal from their body 
uh, that they're actually getting hungry in the first place. And this is a way of rephrasing that, a way of saying, this is what your body needs. It's, it's what it needs to be able to survive. And honoring that is actually honoring yourself. So I think it's, um, it's very powerful, the way that they phrased all of it. How amazing the fact that one simple action like honoring your hunger, one simple phrase, when you first see it, it's like, oh my God, what is this? But at the same time, it's really about respecting yourself and honoring your needs. And as you say, respecting your higher self, just giving what your body needs and what diet culture has been doing over the years, just denying us from this simple pleasure of listening to your body. Mm. It just, I, I really cannot wrap my hand around it. It's, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's crazy. <fact. laughs> I know it's, it's like as if we should be scared of being hungry. And so many people are living this right now around the world in all cultures. Exactly. And this actually reminds me of a memory of uh, that me and Iram have together. Uh, because I know Iram from our group therapy that we do together. And I remember one day uh, she came into the group with, I think she either had the intuitive eating book in her hand or she came in and she said, I'm having a very good week this week. And she said, the reason for this is because my psychologist recommended this book to me uh, that I've been wanting to read for a long time. And I actually got around to reading it now. And she said that I, she had a quote from it. I don't remember. So I'm going to leave it to Iram for herself to explain. But she had a quote from it. And she said that it helped her so much during that uh, treatment period. So... Yeah, I was actually in a very bad phase of my eating disorder back then. And I actually want to put a trigger warning here in case someone who might get triggered is listening at the moment. Uh, if you think you might get triggered, please skip the few following seconds. Just like you mentioned a little while ago, there was a phase I urgently refused eating. I wasn't eating anything. And of course, as you can guess, I was hospitalized back then because my body was way more weak than it should have been and I wasn't giving the nutrition it needed. Meanwhile, I was having therapy sessions with my psychologist and she suggested this book called Intuitive Eating. When I first started, I had no clue what intuitive eating was. All I knew was the thing that my psychologist told me, that it was a way of eating according to your body. And all I remember is that I laughed at her when she said that to me, me listening to my body, it sounded impossible because my mind was way louder than my body at that time. All I did was eating the food that was put in front of me without realizing if I was hungry or not. But I started reading the book anyway. And after a while, I realized intuitive eating was basically honoring your hunger, just like one of the principles of it. When I first read that section called Honoring Your Hunger, I was literally fascinated. Learning hunger is not actually a bad thing, and we need to honor it because it's basically just one of the indicators our body keeps sending to us that to show that it's still alive and keep being alive, it needs the nutrition. And when you think of it, it's literally incredible. And thinking this way changed my perspective about recovery because I used to think eating was a torture. I would cry, probably have a huge crisis at the table, also probably would refuse the food. But now every time I eat, 
I always think that I'm honoring my hunger. And this is also a way of self-care and a way of thanking my body for carrying me through my life. So this was a huge step for me to fix my relationship with my food. That's why I get super excited about the book and was fascinated about the way it affected my thoughts. So I took it to one of the group therapy sessions we had and shared a few sentences from it with the group. It's been a while since I read it and I'm actually planning on rereading it. I mean, I'm still in recovery, that's true. There are days I fall and stand back. Sometimes I can't even do that, but I've come a long way. So I want to read it again with a different mindset because now I can say anorexia isn't my friend. I can honestly say that I am not my anorexia. It's an illness. The friend of mine maybe is the book even I've been talking about, but not my anorexia, definitely. I'm very happy and proud to be able to say this. To sum up, I can say this book literally changed my life in a different way. Thank you so much. It was great to hear this story. And it really is amazing the fact that just one recommendation can change your whole perspective. And obviously it has time. Every healing process has its own time. And the way that yours is now in a more intuitive place. I'm so proud of you. That's amazing. Thank you so much for saying that. <laughs> it wasn't easy, but I am super proud of myself too. And I need to thank to Tatiana, the group therapy and my psychologist here, because they helped me so much. And they actually, they just showed me how I should do it. They just showed me the way and I walked it myself so thank exactly you so, much. so a lot of that process is completely down to the courage that actually you show because um it's a, it's something that you do together right so like you said the you you know what to do to get better and you're the one that took those steps so um we're all very proud of you and the way that you're um going right now and I think uh, about intuitive eating too, I think like one of the other things, sorry, uh, I think one of the other things that makes it like so um, fitting to eating disorder recovery is because it doesn't only speak about um, eating. It also talks about body image. It also talks about respecting your body. Okay, all of the principles come down to respecting your body, but there's actually one principle that talks about uh, body respect, which like in the culture that we live in, again, sounds so, uh, I don't know, abnormal in some ways, like because we've been taught throughout our whole life that our body is something that we have to change, that our body is something that has to fit a certain uh, aesthetic and that if we don't fit that aesthetic, that we should be hating our bodies, that we should have discipline, that we should be uh, dieting. And that once we reach that body goal, that we will be worthy people, that our self-worth will magically increase. And this is something that we learned so much. It's so embedded in our culture. Um, so I think that that's also one other aspect that makes it super important to kind of put intuitive into the treatment process because we learn this new way of 
um, relating to our body, where our body is not something that we should be fighting. It's something that gives us life, that lets us live our life. And it's, uh, it's something that we should be respecting, actually. Yeah, exactly. It would be too simplistic to say that eating, uh, intuitive eating is just about eating. It's not because eating is not even just about eating. When we eat, when we choose to honor our hunger, we tend to listen to our body and we actually um, try to give it what it needs. So someday we may feel more emotional than ever. Maybe one day we're just like really active. Maybe one day we crave something that we love so much. Maybe we miss home. Maybe we miss a sensation that we don't even know of. Uh, when we talk about eating, it's really an emotional process and it really involves thinking as well. So our rational thinking process is sadly influenced by diet culture greatly. And when we add this interplay of emotions and the way body works, it really is complex. So it's really amazing when you say that they normalized bodies not being great as their own. It is really unbelievable because obviously we come in different shapes and sizes and weight. We come in different races and et cetera as well. How can we not accept the fact that our skin tone can be different and our body size can be different? <laughs> it's 2021 and we're still talking about this topic. It's really a social justice issue when we say, when we talk about intuitive eating, because it just goes beyond eating. It is really about systematic abuse and systematic oppression on women and on different races. So when you dig into it, you're going to find really different aspects of it. But of course, at the beginning, when we talk about the eating disorders, just process maybe focus on the healing process. And then later on, you're going to see the aspect how eating disorders are rooted deeply in our society. I actually want to add something here because on my own recovery, when I first learned about intuitive eating, I was like, kind of shocked and fascinated by it but the more I got into it just like you said more the more you dig in it you learn a lot of things because just like you said the society wants us to come in just one shape we need to be perfect whatever that perfect is but we cannot be you know in different shapes different skin colors like we know there are lots of people trying to change their skin color the way their body looks like they're trying to change their faces even actually but we're all unique and we shouldn't be looking the same because we're humans but just like i said when you refuse food regardless of what time where how are you feeling even though you feel like you can pass out anytime because of your hunger but you keep refusing and someone comes telling you about honoring your hunger just imagine like, I mean, I can't even thank my psychologist with words showing me that book. If I didn't learn about it, honoring my hunger, maybe I would still be fighting my eating disorder very heavily. Of course, I am still fighting, but you get what I mean. Like, I'm definitely fighting less right now because it's very mild. Maybe it's going to be irrelevant at the moment, but I really want to share this with you and our listeners. Um, after the last session with my dietitian, I don't have to eat according to a time schedule anymore. And I can't express how happy I felt after hearing this and how it set me free. 
because as a person with an eating disorder, you already know you don't have a good relationship with food. And when you finally start to feel your hunger, you have to wait till a specific time to eat. That sounds harsh, doesn't it? And finally, I don't have to do that anymore. So I wanted to share this and say to all listeners who struggle with eating disorders that they shouldn't give up. It took me years to get to this point, but it was really worth it. And for you, it will be worth it too. So you should keep going. Thank you for sharing you. again. This is amazing. That shows that your body is ready to trust its instincts, that you're ready to honor your signals. That's perfect. Thank you. It must feel so liberating to be able to listen to your body after like such a long time of being on a meal plan. Yeah. Uh, I can't imagine how it must feel to, to hear, okay, now it's up to you, it's up to your body and just mm -hmm. honor that and see how it goes. I mean, of course, my anorexia sometimes screams at me saying like, now you should skip the food because now you don't have a meal plan. So it's kind of hard to, you know, still go according to a plan where you eat three mm -hmm. meals and three between meals a day. But mm -hmm. of course, it's also amazing to say like, do you just realize you're hungry at around like five, let's say, but you have to wait till seven, two hours more. And it might cause extreme hunger, which might, um, you know, actually make you binge eat, which is also mm -hmm. true. So you should be actually giving the food when you want it, when you need it. And you should be able to listen to yourself. And of course, with an eating disorder, that's so hard. But finally, I'm getting to learn it after years and years. And I am very proud and happy to say this. Mm -hmm. That's perfect. I think it's, it's, um, it must be, like I said, very, very liberating to be at this point. But I'm also hearing that maybe some parts of it are a bit of a struggle, which makes sense. I mean, if, if you were given a plan for this long, which is something that's necessary, I 100% understand that. Mm -hmm. But after that plan is gone, I understand it can be very tempting to want to go back to old ways to start thinking, okay, now it's up to me. So now I think it comes to the point of, I think this is where everything that you learned comes into play. Because you have the choice of thinking, this is the voice of my eating disorder and my eating disorder values thinness, values being at a certain shape because it believes that my self-worth is based on this. But there's also so much learning that I've been doing through this process. And so I think it's important to be able, I think this is where all of that comes into play, to be able to respond to that voice. Healing gives you a choice, as you said, because the fact that you know you can say that, okay, this is my eating disorder talking, and this is all the things that are coming together in my hand, and which side I'm going to go, which side is more beneficial, which mm -hmm. side is serving me in a better way. And obviously, there are going to be days that you don't want to be choosing you don't want to even hear these voices you just want to shut down and these days are valid as well but mm -hmm. it gives you the freedom of choice to say that I am choosing to respect my body I am choosing to honor my hunger I am choosing to be better 
So that is what Smallable about. Obviously, we, as I say and repeat many times, we have our own special little processes that's going on between the healing journey. But just being able to choose, just being able to say that, you know what, you are not my friend to your eating disorder. Mm -hmm. It is really amazing and liberating. I think it also helps to think of like this deeper aspect that Begum brought here today about how being at a certain body weight is actually like saying that certain bodies are worthier. I think recognizing that this is a cultural construction. So basically it's something that's made up by culture. It's not something that we're born with. We don't, we're not born thinking of one body is more attractive than another body or that one body is worthier than another body. It's something that we learn through culture because we have an economic system that's based on making money from our perceived flaws. Because when we think that we have flaws, then we spend time purchasing things that we think will make us better people. And the diet and diet culture, this is why diet culture is still in our lives. That's why it's so huge. That's why it's a huge industry. And I think it helps thinking who is making money off my insecurity right now? Who's the, when I, um, I don't know, engage in this behavior, that is something that comes from a part of myself that I don't think is enough. Who and what system is going to make money from this? Who's going to benefit from this? I think it helps to think of it in this term uh, for the body image part. And if we're thinking of like one other principle of intuitive eating is emotional. Uh, so basically being able to take care of your emotions without engaging in restrictive behaviors or engaging in binge eating. So one part of it is also very emotional. And I uh, we can think of emotions also in intuitive terms because we have, just like we're taught there's good foods and bad foods, I think we're also taught that there's good emotions and bad emotions. And we try to take care of our bad emotions by eating, I don't know, quote unquote, bad foods. Eating uh, them away. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Eat my emotions away, which isn't actually a thing, is it? Because it, it works for like, maybe 10 minutes and then you're just left thinking like oh no <laughs> obviously <laughs> because when this? you don't you're not even allowed to honor your hunger you're not allowed to say that you know what i'm hungry now and obviously in this culture you cannot say you know what i'm feeling like this we don't talk about our feelings in turkish culture i think in general i don't know i think it's different in every culture obviously but mm -hmm. i think yes it is also an international struggle. But we, when we talk about the Turkish family dynamics and Turkish family culture and et cetera, some things are really taboo and emotions are such things as well. And food is such a concept in our homes that when we hold guests and everything, when we hold parties, food is always at the center. So it brings us a certain feeling of safety. So when you're feeling things and when you don't know how to cope with your feelings with kindness, food is always there. 
you either try to restrict the food or either try to binge, etc. But it is always there and it is the sadly the main to go. Hmm. It's always accessible. It's always easy to. It is kind of obviously think. our fridges are mm -hmm. full in case when no. someone comes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's never actually for us. It's always for someone coming. Because right. we're always saying, like, even when, <laughs> just imagine, I remember as a kid, like, when there were guests coming, even though I say, I am hungry to my parents, they say, no, guests are coming, you have to wait. So there's right. a certain time of eating, and I really don't know why. And, like, I am actually currently in Sweden, and I've been to a few parties here, like, celebrating parties, and it's also in the food is also in the middle of center like Obviously. just like in turkish hmm. culture uh, whenever they get together they always have something even when someone just stops by you serve them something called fika which is um, like cookies i don't know some sort of cake mm -hmm. it's always in the middle and i don't know why that's amazing that that's something universal that we just come together around food because food is emotional and obviously because of this reason when we try to cope with our feelings when we try to talk about our emotions or just repress our emotions food is always there but I for one I love the fact that food is emotional and I don't have a problem with people eating emotionally because mm -hmm. as I said, eating is emotional. But when it is the first coping strategy with your emotions, when the other team is repressing your emotions and do not know how to give the attention it craves or how to just deal with them, it is a problem right there because obviously it is going to be one of the strategies to eat but it's not going to be the only strategy in your life. You need to be able to talk with your friends. You need to be able to sit with your feelings. You need to be able to know how to just give it the attention it craves to those feelings. And you need to be able to just like honor them as you honor your hunger as well. That's why it is a principle that we need to guide ourselves through. Exactly. We need to hold space for open space for all our emotions and now i am super lucky to be able to interview both an eating disorder specialist and a dietitian so i want to ask one of the most asked questions as we always say that an eating disorder recovery can never go with only a psychologist or a psychiatrist if needed or only a dietitian they all need to work together but how do a dietitian and a psychologist work in an eating disorder recovery? That's a really important question. And thank you for asking that because eating disorders, as I said, and as I need to highlight it, needs a multidisciplinary teamwork. Um, because when we talk about the aspects of eating disorders, it is rooted deep in our psyche and it is also rooted deep in our behavior. When we do, do not uncover that behavior, it is impossible to change the outcomes. It is impossible to change how we eat and how we um, connect with food. So obviously it is important to give the body the energy, the adequate nutrition it needs because it is also a source of malnutrition uh, when things get worse and the functioning of the body is really 
in a really bad state. But in these processes, they each support each other when they need. And even when we talk about intuitive eating and even intuitive eating framework is founded by two dietitians. I think now during the days that we're in, the body image problems has more tool than it was when maybe it was first founded. So I think a psychologist's attitude, and I think a really study and framework by that end is really valuable. And even when I talk about when I work with my private practice, I work with Tatiana. I'm really happy to mm -hmm. do so. And when I talk about eating, eating, I always tell to my clients that you cannot think of it as separately from um, your psychology, because as we spoken many times, eating is emotional mm -hmm. and eating has its roots in psychology and body image problems has its root in deep in our culture so when we realize that we have problems with food and maybe with our bodies obviously we need to talk about this with our psychologist as well and i think a help is really necessary in each stage of eating disorder recovery and in the stages of intuitive eating mm -hmm. i think yes they definitely um are connected to each other like you said it would be uh, very hard or like maybe impossible in some ways to treat someone with an eating disorder without having uh, both the nutritional aspect and the psychological aspect uh, taken care of because like you said um, like first of all I think one of the most devastating parts of an eating disorder is that connection with the body uh, and like how we're meant to eat is completely lost like hunger and satiety cues what are these cues and they actually do get lost due to stress and due to like chronic dieting does make us much less aware of our hunger cues and uh, and our satiety cues and all of these things and uh, especially in the more restrictive eating disorders like uh, anorexia it can come to a point where the patient needs to be on a meal plan and Without a dietitian, it would be impossible to be able to actually set that meal plan and have someone uh, abide by the meal plan. And um, so I think that's a very important part of recovery to be able to uh, rebuild that relationship to the body and to food. And I think uh, like an important part that psychology can play here is someone can learn what is a good way of relating to food but the their relationship with their body might be a block there so they can know this is how much i need to eat or this is i know that this is when i want that that this is when i need to eat but i'm so terrified of gaining weight that or just i'm so terrified of eating this thing that i can't do it so i think that's where psychology comes into play where we need to kind of look at those beliefs, those long-term thoughts that have been uh, maintaining the eating disorder and to be able to acknowledge them and talk about them and to put bet, like more functional thoughts in their place. And so basically working with body image, I think is central and core to that, to the process. I really need to highlight the fact that 
um, it really is actually hard to eat intuitively because it is a process of unlearning all your beliefs and just like relearning, relearning how your body works, relearning how your mind tells you to do so and how it's not serving you. So um, we highlighted the fact that this is not a diet in our Turkish episode, but we need to highlight this in this episode as well. Intuitive eating is definitely not a diet. It is an anti-diet approach, in fact, but you need to be aware of the fact that maybe your mind is going to tell you that, you know what, let's do this. Let's turn this into a diet because you know how diet culture works. You've done this, you experienced that hundreds of times. But when we talk about the multidisciplinary teamwork and how we can actually crack this code and decode it and maybe relearn these behaviors, mm-hmm. we're going to be able to understand what your mind is telling you and why your mind is telling you that and how it's not going to serve you in your current situation reframing everything that you know and just like relearning them so obviously it is important to cover all the aspects mm-hmm. definitely and um there was this i listened to something recently i'm not entirely sure so i don't know if i can reference it well but Um, there was this quote that said, and I think it summarizes very well the therapeutic process in general in eating disorders. I think the main point is to be able to learn that the the belief we hold that our body is uh, our main goal, that like when we reach a certain aesthetic that our life will shape around it and that our life will change around it, is something that we've learned which means that it can be unlearned through talking about it and through actually realizing that maybe this thing that I learned is just something that was kind of shoved down my throat by diet culture and by, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. other people in my life that didn't have my best interest at heart. And the quote actually goes saying that your body is not your masterpiece. Your life is your masterpiece and your body is just a paintbrush. So focusing on your life, because life is so much bigger than um, our bodies can contain. There's so much more that we can start looking at, actually, to live a fuller life. That is a perfect point. I really adore the fact that you mentioned that we've learned these things and maybe we didn't learn it voluntarily. It is the truth, because when we say that we are trying to connect with our inner wisdom, Actually, we were born with intuitive eating instincts. We were born intuitive eaters. This is the way it was supposed to be before we learned all the diet culture BS. And maybe the ones that we learned from, they didn't even know. They didn't know that it was the right thing to do or the wrong Mm -hmm. thing to do. It was a collective mindset that they thought they didn't have any other choice, that they need to be worthy, that they just need to do certain things with their body to exist and to be acknowledged and to be loved by people so they just passed on the trauma (laughs) sadly Mm -hmm. but we can unlearn these things now we have a choice Mm -hmm. thank you so much to both of you for your precious sharing Um, let's pack this up with the last question if you were going to give an advice to a person with an eating disorder what would it be please ask for help 
you are worthy of getting help and you can ask for help at any stage of your eating disorder. Um, I know it is hard. I know it is even hard for yourself to admit that maybe this is an eating disorder and maybe something is wrong with your body. But even if a little tangling in your mind and your body is telling you that something is wrong, please ask for help because there are many great people working at this area to help you, guide you through each process of the healing. So you're worthy of getting help. I want to say something here because we never really hear about getting help at first. Even from our childhood, we hear our parents saying, I won't go see a doctor till I get worse, especially in Turkish culture. Uh, we always hear our dads, you know, they like they can never get sick. And when they do, they have to wait till they need like antibiotics. Uh, but the actual thing is doctor is actually there to help you prevent the illness getting worse. You shouldn't be going when it gets worse. So the doctor is going to help you prevent it anyway. Just like this, we think we're not sick enough to get help when it comes to eating disorders. Whenever you think something isn't going well, you should seek for help, especially with eating disorder. This is so important because waiting till the last minute can actually cause deadly results. So thank you so much for joining us today. I really hope we can host you again in the future because I still have a lot of questions in my head, but the episode is getting a bit long. So we should probably end here. But as I said, I wish to have you here with us again. Thank you so much for inviting me. It was really amazing to have these conversations and have these in two languages and just <laughs> cross the borders internationally. <laughs> mm-hmm. I loved each second of it. And I hope this program gets the message of people needed to uh, talk about these things. And we need to actually just say these things out loud and make the conversation go even further. Thank you for having me. And thank Okay, and, sorry, <laughs> I just want to thank uh, Iram for having us and for actually building this project because she was the one that thought about the whole thing. And I think it's incredibly valuable to be able to reach people and uh, have these conversations, like you said. So thank you. You're welcome, of course, because when I first had, you know, when I first got diagnosed with an eating disorder, I really wanted to find something that would help me and inspire me in many ways mm. but there wasn't many things especially to listen to a podcast with lots of dietitians and like of course you can find dietitians and psychologists writing about you know eating disorders but as I always say in our group therapy sessions of course the dietitian and psychologist is supposed to tell you that it's going to be okay but hearing that it's going to be okay from an eating disorder you know who Mm. a person who has an eating disorder like hearing it from them because you you have the same perspective it makes you have hope because as I said the psychologist is of course supposed to tell you it's going to be okay but when you hear it from a person with the same illness you have you believe it more so obviously it is super valuable that you're telling that that this struggle is not their own but it is a common struggle and you're going through it still, even though it's mild, you still have the voices in your head, but you have this power, you have the 
uh, courage to tell your story, share your story, and just reach out to people and tell them that it is going to be okay. It is God's work, honestly. <laughs> Thank you for doing that. Mm. And you are lovely listeners. Thank you so much for joining us today. And we really hope you enjoyed this episode. We can't wait to meet you again with new episode. Take care. <laughs>